You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians Network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Hey there, Liberty lovers. This is Mark Clare of the Lions of Liberty podcast, where we strive to bring you great conversations about the ideas of liberty three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check us out at lionsofliberty.com. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow Podcast, striking the root every single episode. Hey, Liberty Rockers, this is Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Each week, I strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, economists, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check it out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com or find us on iTunes. Each show is action-packed, explicit, and a lot of fun. So join me at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com every week for the newest episode. Keep liberty alive and rock and roll. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to our email newsletter at wearelibertarians.com, or join our Patreon, uh, where we will give you all kinds of bonus content for being a monthly subscriber. Please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Joining me is my Tuesday co-host, Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Going good, going good. Finally got the log into my server today, so, you know, doing great. Wait, were you locked out of your own server? Yeah, um, I couldn't get in. Uh, not from the password thing, but for some reason, the, what, it was like the cheaper server that I have from a different like hosting company. Uh-huh. Their web login wouldn't let me log in. I could SSH it in all five, but I couldn't get to the GUI interface. Okay, well, this is very boring. Uh <laughs> Nerd. (laughs) We've got lots of nerd talk for you coming up. We're going to talk about the Sinclair Broadcasting Conspiracy. Uh, It's so underwhelming if you know it, if you've actually followed things. Uh, Here's what we've got on deck that we might or might not talk about. We're going to talk about David Hogg and Laura Ingram. Uh, We're going to talk about a personal bully that I've got. Uh, We're going to talk about. 
the FBI trying to get into your phone and lying, essentially, under oath to get into the San Bernardino terror suspect. Uh, Prager, you lost their lawsuit, and giving up Facebook can make you healthier. So that's what we've got on deck. Uh, but, you know, last week we took calls. Uh, we said hi to a few people, and then nobody called in. But here's the deal. Every Tuesday night around 7 o'clock, get the We Are Libertarians mobile app. You can get it on Android or iTunes. Uh, get it in your app store. Just search for We Are Libertarians. You can also listen at wearelibertarians.com or on TuneIn Radio or at the uh, – we are, uh, look for We Are Libertarians Radio in the talk section of the iTunes radio uh, thing. <laughs> it's so clunky that it's hard to explain how to get there. Uh, so on Tuesday nights, we're going to give you the opportunity to call in and join the conversation. Uh, and you can call in at 317-699-7236. And so on Tuesday nights, as we go through these news stories and give you the recap of all the news that is important for the week, we, you can sound off to and join the conversation. Plus, you can listen on those apps for free uh, and hear the show as it is broadcast live. Uh, the Thursday show will not be a call-in show. It will not be broadcast live. It is always a little more variable. Uh, I have a very busy, I think I've mentioned this in the last episode, but I've got a very busy schedule coming up this spring. I'm going on three trips. I've, I've got a lot going on. I want to do a few interviews, uh, try a few new things out. So the Thursday show is going to be a little more variable uh, and a little harder to pin down and, and stream live. And uh, you know, for the most part, it'll be a group of us sitting around the table on Thursday nights, but sometimes. So to be consistent, Tuesday nights... You can call in, talk to Harry Price and I, sound off on the stories that we are doing, and uh, you can join us. All right. Speaking of the callers, we have a future congressman on the line, Harry Price. Joining us on the phone is James Neese, who is running as a Republican in Congressional District 4. And you just had a great article about you where, I mean, they went in-depth on memes. Well, go ahead. He asked me to see my collection. Uh, he's like, "You got a meme collection?" I'm like, "You know, I do. I got 837 on this SD card." <laughs> he's, he's like, "Well, he's like, well, we'll show them." And I'm like, "All right, we find the non, the non-offensive ones." <laughs> he goes like, "Looking through it, swiping right, look up. That one's kind of Nazi-ish. Better go to the next one." So, uh, just showed him my memes, but. He, like that whole interview, like about an hour of it was just like talking, like points, but like the last 30 minutes was just memes. He's like, Hey, you play Overwatch? I'm like, Yeah, sometimes. He's like, You want to, uh, all of us at Purdue at the, 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 the news thing, like we play Overwatch, you want to log in sometimes? Like, Hey, you should download Paladins to stop you. I'm like, Oh, yeah, we'll download Paladins. So, like, apparently I'm going to have like some gaming match with the entire like, news media. So, I'm going to be like, Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll stop you. I'm like, No problem. <laughs> so, so does this mean? Uh, and and Rick Irvine makes a great gave gives you a great slogan. Why the f not? James Neese, twenty twenty. Why the f not? Twenty eighteen, I should say. Yeah. Now Neese, uh, is this a midterm. I, you know, it is Neese is somebody that a lot of people write off because he's a little weird and he he doesn't give a shit, mm-hmm. right? And he's you know he's sleepy. <laughs> You look at that photo, and he looked a little sleepy, like he'd just rolled out of bed from a bender the night before. But Nice is one of the most intelligent people I know, and I would say one of the best hard work is hard work hard working candidates 
I'm very tired. It's, there's going to be a lot of this uh, out there in the Libertarian Party. Uh, although now you're a Republican, why'd you why'd you leave the LP to run as a Republican? We don't. I, I, he asked me that in the article, and I, I told him like it's it's unfair. Like uh, the election laws are unfair. Um, if I were to do LP, there's no base in. It's not like Jeremiah's district, you know, where he's got Rex Bell. He's got like all the people that can really work a campaign there. The boss hog of liberty. Um, yeah. So like on my end, there's nobody. Uh, when we did local races here, there's nobody. Um, so it doesn't really like, benefit anybody. Like I told the, the paper, it's like, you know, if you're an independent, you're a libertarian, you're a socialist, or whatever you are, it's like the, the amount of work you have to do just to get on the ballot is huge. For this, I just had to file one piece of paper. <laughs> that was it. You know, it's, um, fill out a uh, uh, my name, my address, and I'm on the ballot. And then in the end, as long as you vote in a primary, you know, like I voted for Ron Paul, like last last presidential election cycle, not 2016, but uh, 2012. Uh, you, you, you're allowed to do that. So but you, just, you also kind of did it. We have really funny. You also kind of did it to shitpost, right? Because there's like 17 people running in that election. Well, like there, there's like seven in the Republican Party. There's like six in like the, it's an open seat, so that's what happens. Um, but like I'm up there and I'm just like, yo, I'm going to tell you what I want to do about this hemp. I'm going to tell you what to do about this. And so like, we were doing the debate. And, like, I think I was the only person that said, like, I'm not going to ban any guns. I'm going to remove all the guns banned. Uh, compared to, like, all the other candidates, like, I think this is racist at 21. And I'm like, you guys just fucking silly, man. Like, it's some silly stuff you're saying out of your mouth. <laughs> so, like, there's a point to it. You know, like, I guess I'm the only person that's, like, saying, uh, like, on the stage or, like, going door to door. It's like, I'm the only person that's pretty much saying, like, well, I don't think there should be a role of any government. I think I even said taxation theft by a college student. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's taxation for the theft. Uh, but I'm the only person doing that. You know, the rest of the candidates, like we have uh, on the GOP slate, we have like the the dude's brother that's running for Senate here. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even live in the district. You know, <laughs> so it's like, you don't even live here, man. <laughs> who Who is, who is, uh, I think you have to live in the district. That's like a, a law. <laughs> like you have to live in the state. Uh, the the pro, like, for Congress, I could live in like Elkhart and run for like Evansville district. You know, um, the the problem is like people don't really like that. You know that right. hurt. Uh, was it Tennessee Trey? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like you live in Tennessee, it hurt him for doing that. Um, people just don't really like it. So we have like a weird selection of candidates that. Um, we have like a, an immigrant running from Guatemala and it's just ironic listening to him talk about like border security and putting up a wall. And he's just like, I'm from Guatemala, but I'm going to put up this wall. I'm like, yo, dude, you're going back over here in like two years. (laughs) Yeah. Diego (laughs) Morales is, uh, he's an interesting dude. That's for sure. He's also got a problem with lying about his, uh, records and where he's worked. Yeah, but there's real no, there's no real front runner in this race. I mean, so James Neese could be our next congressman and I think he should be. He has my full endorsement. He should have your full endorsement too. If you're in the 4th district, you should definitely vote for him. We know Sarah Potter. We're going to get her to vote in the Republican primary for you. 
Uh, how can people? Uh, how can Sarah's pe- going to carry it. How can people get a hold of you if they want to follow the campaign? Oh, I've used a lot of Discord. Like I had the uh, Purdue Exponent and like two other media organizations actually hit me up on Discord, <laughs> um, as, as opposed to like email and. But like I, I use that for the campaign, you know. So I'm like, you know, this this is a platform I can communicate with you like instantaneously. Right. You know, you have a question, boom, it's right there. It pings me. I can answer the question right away, as opposed to email. Like email, you never really get a response. So you can get me there. I'm on Facebook. Um, well, what's your Discord server? How do people get into it? Uh, it's on my Facebook page. You can uh, you just type in James Deese for Congress. It's right there. You just click on it, go to the link, make an account. Cool. Like twenty seconds. All right, James. We're gonna move on. We got a sponsor here, uh, but I wanted to thank you for calling in and good luck with your race. I want you to come in to the show before then too. You can make it in in the next couple of weeks. Well, 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 Chris, get me before Rob Kendall because Rob Kendall still hasn't invited me on. But mm-hmm. like you know, Rob is Rob scared. You know. I think you need to put that on Facebook and let's have a fight with Rob. Yeah, let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll gang up on Rob. Like, hey, Rob, like, you scared I'm going to talk bad about the God Emperor? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, James. All right. All right. Good old James Neese. Again, you can call in at 317-699-7236. We're going to talk about the Sinclair Broadcasting Brouhaha here in just a moment. But first now, let's hear from our sponsor. Uh, we actually, it's not a sponsor necessarily. It's more of a station... Here at We Are Libertarians, we like to make pronouncements. Mm-hmm. We're very big on proclamations. Yes. So this is more of a We Are Libertarians proclamation. So here we go. Hi, I'm Chris Spangle. And I'm Harry Price. Our greatest responsibility is to serve our Northwest communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that We Are Libertarian produces. But we're concerned about the troubling trend of irresponsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories. Stories that just aren't true without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control exactly what people think. This is extremely dangerous to a democracy. At We Are Libertarians, it is our responsibility to pursue and report the truth. We understand truth is neither political left nor right. Our commitment to factual reporting is the foundation of our credibility, now more than ever. But we are human and sometimes our reporting might fail, fall short. If you believe our coverage is unfair, please reach out to us by going to wearelibertarians.com and clicking on Content Concerns. We value your comments. We will respond back to you. We work very hard to seek the truth and strive to be fair, balanced, and factual. We consider it our honor, our privilege, to, to responsibly deliver the news every day. Thank you for listening, and we appreciate your feedback at wearelibertarians.com. Now, this is the script... Mm-hmm. That Sinclair had roughly sixty-six stations read. Now, uh, this is what is causing all of the controversy. <laughs> it's very controversial. Very controversial. Uh, you know, not to stick up for Sinclair, but you know, I heard that this happened, and I thought it was like some sort of authoritarian statement of you know Donald Trump is the greatest. And I read it, and I was like, 
Eh, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. basically saying, hey, we're good reporters. Listen to us. And if you have a problem with what we say, if we make a mistake, email us. Right. Sounds like something I would say every single program. Mm-hmm. Like a memo you would put out just in, a, in an office building just to tell everybody. And since most of your customers are people who listen and watch, what's the best way to get your customers out on your own program instead of buying ad space somewhere? Yeah. So I was surprised when I actually took the time to read the script. And I went, <laughs> well, this isn't a big deal at all. This happens all the time. Like, it, it is... A, so... Uh, Let me first talk about Sinclair, and then we'll kind of talk about the news media at large. This is from the Washington Post. Uh, I will put links to everything in our show notes at wearelibertarians.com. Sometimes it takes me a day or two to get that stuff up there because there are so many links. Uh, And So please bear with me. If if it's not up there the day this publishes, it's always up there a day after or so. But anyways, uh, Trump said Sinclair is far superior to CNN, what we know about the conservative media giant. So the Washington Post already, in the headline, is tying Sinclair to Trump. So that <laughs> that in and of itself is biased reporting in my in my view. Uh, and this is not an opinion piece. This is supposed to be a straight factual. Here, what, here's what we know about Sinclair. Let's just see if they go for Russia. Go for right. two. Right. Oh yeah, Russia will definitely be in here. Um, Sinclair is. The largest owner of local TV stations in the country with 173 stations and 81 broadcast markets that stretch from coast to coast and just about everywhere in between at a time when local news outpaces national news outlets in both overall viewership and trust. About 85% of Americans trust local news outlets, more than 77% for family or friends. Uh, So you trust your friends and family 77% of the time to give you the right information. 85% of the time, Americans think that the local news is factual, Harry. That's scary, (laughs) considering that's where people get their weather. Um. Now let let me be very clear about my bias. Uh, If you're watching local TV news, you are having your intelligence insulted. Uh, So that's where my bias comes down. Uh, But I'm not letting my bias shade our coverage of Sinclair. Go ahead. I want to respond, but it's just going to go off on a tangent. Just go. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but a stunning video. This is the the straight ahead factual reporting, but a stunning video that showcased its anchors reading what required scripts that seemed to parrot one of President Trump's favorite themes has drawn renewed scrutiny to what critics consider the media conglomerate's years-long effort to inject conservative-tinged coverage into local markets. Uh, so Sinclair is in smaller markets. It's it's like in Bakersfield, California, Amarillo, Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. It's not in like the New York, Chicago, San Francisco, those big media markets. Um, it, it is, you know, on different national networks, an ABC affiliate in Dayton, a Fox affiliate in Oklahoma. Uh, it is clustered predominantly in conservative areas of the country, according to an analysis of the company's markets. Uh, the broadcast areas of Sinclair stations voted for Trump over Hillary Clinton by a 19-point margin. All right. So the uh, fake stories promo, which was first reported by CNN in March, drew wide attention after Deadspin published the video on Saturday and layered all the videos together. We'll play that here in just a moment. Uh, so they, why do critics say that Sinclair is biased? 
Sinclair has been spotlighted for injecting right-leaning coverage and commentary on national issues into its local broadcasts since well before the fake stories advisory became public, making it unique in the world of broadcast television, which is less encumbered by the partisanship that marks cable networks such as Fox or MSNBC. Uh, so essentially, this is what's called a must-run segment, and all you know, Tribune owns a bunch of stations, mm -hmm. uh, Turner Broadcasting. Uh, there is, I th I think Scripps is out of business. Maybe there's you know local locally here. There's one company called Lynn, and they own several TV stations, but not a lot. They're a smaller company. Uh, so your local TV stations change ownership hands constantly, and you don't even notice. Like, you don't realize that in the, let's say you're 30 years old, in the 30 years that you've been watching Channel 8 on, you know, or Channel 6 is a very good example. It's the it's the ABC affiliate here in Indianapolis. Well, WRTV6 has changed hands three different times in the last 10 years. And you probably didn't even notice a difference. Like, your local TV stations constantly change ownership hands. Uh, Sinclair is notable because it's huge. It's big. And they're trying to make a play to be a very big, they're trying to be the clear channel of TV. Mm -hmm. So I come from the radio world where in after the 9060 regulation, the telecom laws are rewritten by uh, Bill Clinton and Congress, the Republican Congress. You, you got a more favorable market for these companies to expand. And so clear channel, now called iHeartRadio, and Cumulus and... Uh, ABC, CBS Radio, and, and th these companies, most of these don't even exist, Intercom, these big radio companies started gobbling up local radio stations mm -hmm. and affiliates and started to put mom and pop operators out of business, essentially. Well, now, fast forward 20 years later, they're all kind of selling off their assets to get out of bankruptcy, and you know it's returning to the hands of the local operators. And that's sort of what Sinclair is doing. They're trying to become a major player uh, across the spectrum. Uh, and they're, they first got on the radar of Media Matters in 2004 when they started sending down uh, what Media Matters labels propaganda, uh, these pieces on John Kerry and some of the Swift Boat stuff. And what they would do is they pre-prepare packages that local stations could or must run. And so this happens all the time. So like if you're watching your local news station and they run a package on Iran, the Iran mm -hmm. nuclear deal, for instance, it's not coming from the local reporter flying to Iran to do the reporting. It's yeah. these big broadcast outlets use their own resources or... Scripps has a news service, the AP, uh, these big news outlets that you're familiar with, Knight, Knight Ritter, and uh, Reuters. They put out content that is then used. So if you're a smaller operator and you don't have the power that like Sinclair has, you'll partner with Reuters or Thomson, Thomson Reuters now, because it's been bought, mm -hmm. uh, for video packages. Or you'll be an AP news station. And you'll run the, or you'll be a Fox News station or an ABC station, and you'll use the ABC reporting. So it's very common to see these packages in the local news. Now, Sinclair has been notable for two reasons. First, they're the first to kind of creep into putting politics uh, 
with a slant into some of these packages. So, for instance, uh, this guy, I think his name's Steven Gorka. I know his name last name's Gorka. And if you saw him, you'd recognize him from Fox News during the Trump campaign. He's involved in Sinclair Media and doing political commentary, and obviously it's pro-Trump commentary. And they send it down to these stations, and it airs as opinion pieces, which it's not common to see opinion pieces in your local news stations. You know, normally your local TV news is nothing but police reports and weather and, and traffic <laughs> and sports. Uh, so, because that's what you want to see. You don't necessarily care about anything other than those things. Yeah. So, as viewers over the last 30 years have had more opportunities, more choices to go to other news outlets like We Are Libertarians, you spend less time invested in these local TV stations. And so you don't watch as much local news because you don't need as much local news. And so that has taken these uh, these news stations to the point of revenue panic, where most local TV news has been cannibalized by shrinking revenue streams, and so they have very few resources. Most local TV stations no longer have a cameraman go out with their reporters, even in, even in a major market like, well, a mid-market like Indianapolis. They have... They use their cell phones. Yeah. They literally record with the selfie camera on their phones to record their packages. Mm -hmm. with the little light on it. With the little light on it. And they record it themselves. There's no cameraman that goes out with them. Uh, so. Yeah, it blew my mind when you said that. I was like, you, you know. Right. Just what you think. Because growing up as a kid, you, you see the cameraman and they sit out through their big trucks. Yep, no, right. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it isn't it isn't that way. There are those rigs, obviously. Yeah, but by and large, you know. But with, that's only for big stories. Right. Big stories that they know they're going to be there forever. So, as resources shrink and your attention to them shrinks, advertising dollars shrink, and eventually, these local TV news stations get desperate for revenue, and so they will do anything to. And that's why you see so much uh, reporting on police stuff because they can go and they can get police reports mm -hmm. and then report based you can they can write a 300 400 word story on the police report and not have to do any real investigation right. they drive out to the scene they read what they read on the police report they move on to the next story and so mm -hmm. it is it is not uh the business it used to be and so anytime you have less resources less revenue and greater centralization, the overthinkers up top start to go, how can we help our local stations and give them resources? Let's produce packages. So these must-runs are not uncommon. Now, the other notable thing about Sinclair, and the reason that anybody gives a shit about them, is that they're conservative-leaning. Mm -hmm. And so they are owned and operated like they are the Chick-fil-A of the TV news world. Uh, and that is why you know about them. Now, the funny thing about these news packages uh, is they're done all the time, okay? Even Conan O'Brien, <laughs> uh, let me see if I can find this, because it is pretty funny. Uh, let me actually play the, the Deadspin video that everybody started freaking out about. 
uh, just so you can hear their supercut. San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble and trying to one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. So that's like a supercut where they layered over the 60 different, you know, just for extra effect. Country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same stories without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some all right, you get the idea. <laughs> That's very irritating. But this is not nothing new, okay? Yeah. It's just new because the left-leaning blogosphere is starting to make an issue out of this. Here is Conan O'Brien, December 16th, 2013, uh, with a package that he put together called Newscasters Agree, a Christmas present or two or ten edition. Judge ruling against snooping by the NSA or the uh, big fight in Congress over the new proposed budget. A lot of people say those are the big stories. But judging by local news, and I've been looking at a lot of local news, there's an even bigger story that's sweeping the nation right now. Who are you really shopping for this holiday season? It's okay, you can admit it, if you've bought an item or two or ten for yourself. Well, it's okay, you can admit it if you have bought an item or two or maybe ten for yourself. It's okay, you can admit it. You've bought an item or two or ten for yourself. It's okay, you can admit it if you bought an item or two or ten for yourself. It's okay, you can admit it if you've bought an item or two or ten for yourself. It's okay, you can admit it if you've bought an item or two or ten for yourself. It's okay, you can admit it, Todd. Okay, so you get the idea. Uh, this is not uncommon. Nope. <laughs> uh, here's another round. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. Kansas. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. A child's happiness is priceless, especially on a birthday. So you get the point. These must-runs, these pre-produced segments that are sent out across the spectrum are, are very common in the news industry. Uh, AP reporting is the backbone of the media industry. Every one of these clickbait sites from, you know, the the Blaze on the right and the Daily Caller on the right all the way to uh, the, you know, the Huffington Post and Raw Story on the left all pull originally from only if just a few sources from AP, Reuters, New York Times, Washington Post. Uh, and so there's an incredible amount of groupthink that goes into all of these. Uh, so... You see these packages are very common. Uh, now, the difference with the Sinclair piece is that it is an editorial as opposed to, boy, your kids, this holiday season deserve blah, 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 blah. So, so there is a difference in that, but I just wanted to prove to you that they are uh, common. Um, yeah, there's been cuts of videos of people that auto-tune those for years, but they, you know, they only really care about this because it goes right because the left does this as well for their you know for, for like their uh, the radio post right they bring up stuff like that you know when you but 
that's who they want to bring up. And the only reason that they have this type of fight like this, and the only reason why it's like this way, is because when most conservative sites or most anything go to the right leaning site, the, the um, I, I'm probably bringing this too early for you want to talk about it. Like the main thing they like to do anytime they find a right wing person and go after anyone on the left, the first thing they do is, is they want to get with media managers stuff like that to attack their ads. Sure, they want to attack their ads, and that causes them to lose money. And when you lose money, then you get eat, chewed up and eaten up by a larger company. Like, well, you're struggling. We'll fix your image. We'll buy this up. Get rid of this person. Fix the image up, and you know, let the company keep going. This is what happens. That's why Indiana has so many different sports sets because you know, because you get enough like um, right wing people getting their ads, getting your ads attacked. You know, you start losing revenue, so you just get chewed up and eaten up by different things and sell for different stuff. Right. It's and it's. And considering that the since the FCC has such ridiculous controls, even though they deregulated deregulated you know the radio waves for f- radio and television, you know it's you know you can't really just start one. So you know you get stuck with this. You get stuck with these cookie cutters around the country. It's what it is. Yeah, and you probably it's, first heard. Go ahead. I was like, and the other thing is the other thing that you said like it's not all these these news report. It's also the weather. Majority, majority of these stations do not own their own weather radar. Regardless of what you guys really think, like the they own their, we've got the Doppler fifteen. This is our special radar system. They don't have Waze. Waze is actually starting to get into the traffic business because you may not realize it, but your local traffic, say in Indianapolis or mm-hmm. Dayton, is actually broadcast out of Chicago. There's a big room, a big factory in Chicago where they just cut weather and and traffic reports for local radio stations and mm-hmm. local TV stations. Yep. So and yeah, it, it's all a sham. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Helicopters I, I can, are expensive. Helicopters are are out of business. And, so um, yeah. Oh, sorry. You probably first heard about this when John Oliver lambasted them, uh, and he he hit the terror alert desk segment. You know they have a. A uh, guy named Mark Hyman, a former Sinclair executive who also leads a commentary segment that it seems like it's a sounding board for the right. Quote, unquote, listen up, Snowflake. Uh, yes, I'm talking to you, the social justice warrior who whines for trigger warnings and safe spaces. College isn't a babysitter service. Uh, you know, these, these, when you read this in the Washington Post, you go, wow, that's really shocking. Or when you watch the John Oliver piece, you go, wow, that's really shocking. You know where they got their information? You know who did the reporting? Media Matters. Now, Media Matters is a left-wing outlet that collects information on the media and then spins things to be anti-conservative, pro-left. You know, if you go back and you just look up Sinclair Broadcasting on the Media Matters website, you'll start to notice the pattern that every time something shows up on CNN or John Oliver or some other outlet that is like the Washington Post, and then you're going back to uh, the Media Matters website, you go, oh, they're basically just copying the Media Matters website. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have to look at the irony of this, that essentially you have a a left-wing media outlet Mm -hmm. that is sending content to their partners, moveon.org sent me an email to sign a, a petition against Sinclair Broadcasting Group today. Uh, these these left-wing groups are feeding information to left-leaning journalists at the Washington Post, at 
raw story at all these different sites, these clickbait sites, and that's how the news gets velocity. This is an uncovered story if it isn't for the groupthink mm-hmm. of these the, of the left blogosphere and media matters really pushing this narrative. Now, I hate to sound like Rush Limbaugh, but that's the truth of it. And it happens on the right, too. I can tell you that when we had the Ron Paul interview in 2013 where we made news about Rand Paul, and Ron talked about his son, Ron Rand, running for president, and uh, I strategically, I thought intelligently about it and said, you know what, why don't I hit The Blaze and Daily Caller and some of these other sites? The Daily Caller picked it up, and then The Blaze picked it up, and then it was picked up by... All these other right-wing news sites, they all wrote their own little shell. They barely credited us. They stole our content, basically, for their own purposes. But the interview got 113,000 downloads. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these these sites like The Daily Caller and Vox and The Daily Wire and The Raw Story and Huffington Post, they carry a tremendous amount of weight on what we talk about and what The Washington Post and The New York Times covers. So... You really have to pay attention to what these sites are are covering, and you have to think critically and go, okay, let's step back and look at this. We're upset about propaganda on the right, and we know about it because of propaganda from the left, <laughs> okay? Uh, you you If you're a right-leaning listener of ours, you're probably sitting there going, I don't see the problem with this. They have a conservative commentator when most of their audience is in conservative-leaning areas. What's the problem with a conservative viewpoint being shown to a conservative-leaning area in Oklahoma City? Uh, That's what they want to see anyways. And I, as a rational news consumer, can sit there and go, is this a big deal? Okay, well, let me me see here. Uh, Their responsibility as a news station is to serve their community. Uh, They're concerned about irresponsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Uh, The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. They basically just took the narrative of the left and reported it, and it wasn't good enough. Right. So you're being fed information as if it is factual information from all sides all the time. And you just have to step back and realize that if you are receiving any sound into your ears, there is bias attached to it. And it is your responsibility to determine what is true or not. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric. It's uh, one of the things that uh, Andrew Breitbart, uh, you were swinging about and going after media managers on these left-wing sites because he was commenting on like how they would do this and how they would work and going through this. And that's why the, the left really hated Breitbart because he would point this crap out to him. Yeah, you know, you'd show them like, look, 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 look what they're doing. You know, they're tricking you. You're being tricked. This is what's going on. You know, ooh, the storm's probably picking up outside. Woof. Yeah, we've had a lot of storms today. Deadspin's article that got all the attention. Deadspin, uh, formerly of what? Well, yeah, if we disappear, it's because we uh, had the power go out. I apologize if for some reason we disappear. We'll try and come back. If not, Harry and I will carry on. We'll send it out via spoke signals. Um, the uh, the Deadspin article is basically just a regurgitation of the Media Matters research. It, you know, just like the Washington Post uh, story, they talk about Boris Estefan. Uh, they talk about the anti-John Kerry propaganda. They talk about the last week with John Oliver stuff. 
I mean, it, it is, if you really want to know where a lot of these outrages come from, go look at the Media Matters website. And on the right, it's the Media Research Council. Like, these two groups are just as powerful as Sinclair Broadcasting is. <laughs> and that's what nobody wants to actually wake up and, and start talking about. You're being fed propaganda at all points, all the time. Uh, we got a couple calls on the line. If you want to weigh in on the Sinclair Broadcasting, you got just about 10 minutes to do so. Call in at 317-699-7236. Again, that's 317-699-7236. I'm going to open up the line. I'm going to ask your name. Please state your name and then get right on the subject. Get going. Let's uh, let's make this interesting. Let's start with the 847 number. You're on. We are Libertarians. What's your name? This is Ryan Holt. Hey, Reinhold, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. So uh, what I find interesting about all of this is that this is somehow news when this has been going on for at least several decades, right? Right. And the Talking Points memo website that, that was created was all because the, the parties would put out talking points that would get picked up by the news companies, news organizations, and pushed out. I mean, this isn't anything new. This is propaganda. And the irony of John Oliver um, talking about propaganda is lost on so many people. It's amazing to me. You know, it's because that's, John Oliver is nothing but propaganda. It, it's funny you should say that because the Daily Caller has uh, this series that they're starting to put out called "Democrats Write the News." Uh, the Daily Caller, Tucker, Tucker Carlson helped found it, and uh, listen to this is solely on CNN and MSNBC. And it is a bunch of left-leaning politicians and media pundits from those channels uh, trying to introduce the term weapons of war. Weapons. They are simply weapons of war. Weapons of war. Weapons of war. No, weapons of war. 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 These weapons of war. Weapons of war. These weapons of war. 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 And here is just the the tone about the Sinclair media outlet. And and here's the problem with these big news outlets like MSNBC feigning concern for this is they're engaged in it too they're just trying to beat down a competitor in Sinclair it's like the Laura Ingram story which we will talk about next uh, of course MSNBC is outraged and wants to run wall to wall with it because it beats down a competitor so here is uh, the media talking about propaganda and Sinclair Broadcasting. Which we all disdain, depending on what our uh, description is of them. The concern, I think... There's a concern. The concerns resurfaced. Is that that, uh, concerning to you? Isn't that concerning? Nicole, I share that concern greatly. Mayor, should we be concerned? Should be a little bit concerning, particularly when it echoes... It's not journalism, it's propaganda. To run a propaganda clip. This isn't journalism, this is propaganda. Shoving propaganda down local anchors' throats. Scripted propaganda and accusations. So do I think that it is necessarily a top-down strategy? Maybe, but it's probably just groupthink. And journalists are one of the tightest on groupthink uh, of any industry that I know of. I mean, the the outgrowth of this language, the choice of a negative word, Reinhold, really 
describing it as propaganda when it's a common thing that happens in the news industry is propaganda in and of itself. Exactly. And and that's the irritating thing is that today the journalism standards are so decreased. It's a, it's You can't find hardly anybody actually doing journalism anymore. When you watch CNN, you're watching a video podcast because they don't do much of anything different than what you're doing where you'll give a little bit of news and then you'll spend time talking about it. And right. that's what they do. They're just talking about the news and they're putting their biases on there. And you, if you watch at, um, enough of these episodes that they do, if somebody starts to go off script, because all these interviews that they do with people who aren't their regular contributors, um, they pre-interview all of them to say, what are you going to talk about? Here's what we're going to talk about. These are the points we want, expect you to make. If you get on there and you go off script, you'll get cut off the air. Right. They're manipulating the news. Right. So for anybody in that realm to, to take a high horse about this seems very disingenuous to me. But the same thing goes for, you know, why do you want – what's wrong with conservative news in conservative areas? News shouldn't be, you know, biased like that. You should be able to report the facts and let other people decide. And so talking about things, you need to – we need to start separating opinion from news and, and clearly identify when we're talking about something that's news-oriented and something that's opinion of the people who are talking because but, they're melding too much together these days. But I'd argue that the notion that the the news was ever just the facts never really existed in the first place. I think that's why you saw the rise of the Reagan revolution. That's why you saw the rise of, you know, Buckley and National Review and then you started to see uh, once the internet hit well, a rise of conservative media and Fox News because the news that was being reported was inherently maybe it wasn't left-leaning. I would say that news is often uh, biased towards it was cyn- it's biased towards cynicism and biased towards government sourcing. Like if if you see a news article, it's if if a journalist at one of these major newspapers that we read here every week, if they get a quote from a government source, that's like the gold standard for them. You know, they're biased towards government outlets. Okay. Right, and they'll take whatever they say as as gospel, even though there's nothing to prove that they're telling you the truth, even though we know that several people, that these are people who are getting paid to lie. Right. You know, they're they're on a payroll to lie to us. I mean, Clapper lied in front of Congress, and nobody did anything about it, which is frustrating. But that's how Rush Limbaugh got his start, right? That's why he became so popular and why it was such a big deal at the time, because there was no other alternative view to what was being said on the news sites. Yep. Right. So that's, I mean, that's how it was. But we still had, I think we had like a golden era in the 50s and 60s maybe that was a little bit more, well, they really kind of tried. You know, look at the Watergate. When, when, when the Watergate stuff was coming out, these were reporters going after the president, and they did everything they could to make sure they had the facts, they had backup sources, they had everything nailed down before they went to story with it. Whereas nowadays, you just hear a rumor from some guy who heard something from some guy, and you're going on the air with uh, unsubstantiated rumors and calling it news. Yeah. All right, Reinhold, thanks for calling in. We're going to the 765 number here in just a moment. Uh, state your name and then uh, join the conversation just right out of the gate. Tell us what you're going to say. Yeah, I, I would say that TV news is heavily biased towards entertainment. Uh, if you are 
watching television news, you're watching an entertainment product. Uh, please turn off your app, your radio. You can listen on the Bob and or, uh, whoops, the uh, I'm used to saying that the We Are Libertarians app. Seven six five. What's your name and what do you got to say about Sinclair Broadcasting? I'm Tad Western and uh, I love Sinclair Broadcasting Group. You old son of a I'm bitch! A I bet you Western. do. <laughs> I love me. Yeah, I actually the Tad Talk Tad Western just got syndicated in three networks. Really? Oh, did it? Sense. Uh, on Sinclair Broadcasting? Yeah, I don't, I don't know where. You don't know where, though? <laughs> What's going on? You, uh, no, I don't know. I, my lawyer's handling that. <laughs> All the deets. I, I'm just a content producer. I'm not a, uh, I don't, I don't handle the back-end business deals. You well, know me. Well, Tad Talk. What's going on, gentlemen? Tad Talk heard on the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find it anywhere podcasts are uh, downloaded. Is huge in Turkey. Yeah, massive. It is very, very large in Turkey. Yes. I don't know why, but uh, the Turks love me. Tad Western is the Turkish Bieber. <laughs> I'm way prettier, and I hit way higher notes than Bieber ever thought about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you'd like to say, Tad? Uh, no, you guys just keep up the good work. Uh, I'm just sitting here listening from my cell phone, uh, harassing Melissa Hubbard. <laughs> via Facebook. <laughs> yeah, let me get to that. Thanks, Tad. Ah, Melissa. I, I'm going to tell this story uh, not because I'm irritated. Allegedly. Be because I am. <laughs> but I want to make a larger point about the next story. You can get on the line if you've got something to say, if you've got a hot take on the whole Laura Ingram, David Hogg thing. Uh, that is 317-699-7236. Uh, get on hold now. Uh, so some of you may remember, way back on episode 116, we interviewed someone named Melissa Hubbard, a.k.a. Melissa Donahue. And Melissa's a former dominatrix, and she wrote a book called Spanking City Hall. Now, Melissa is uh, an interesting character and someone that I had considered a friend for about nine years. Now, Melissa is very outspoken. Uh, she is a, a, a local journalist, allegedly, investigating Pizzagate hardcore. She's a huge Alex Jones fan. Uh, and she's really uh, close to making one hell of a defamation case if I, if I chose to file the lawsuit. Uh, so way back in 2016 here in Indiana, we talked about it at the time, we had a can two candidates for governor. There was a guy who was running named Jim Wallace. Now, Jim is uh, a, a very accomplished man, great resume, uh, very impressive, West Point, Harvard, business owner, wealthy, uh, but had two arrests for domestic violence against two different wives a decade apart. Now, that's a problem if you're going to run for governor. And he was omitting that fact when he would go and talk to some of the the uh, top Libertarian Party leaders. And that leaving it out of the discussion angered Rex Bell so much that he decided to run for governor. Now, I was opposed to Wallace, not because I think that Wallace is a bad guy. Uh, I think Wallace made a mistake, and Wallace has apologize for said mistake, and I believe in the power of redemption. Uh, but I also think he didn't really have a good plan on addressing that. 
And I knew for a fact that the state party of the Republicans, because I have friends who were working at the state party at the time, already had the commercials written. <laughs> so, you know, it was just clear to me that, like, we're, we're going to go into this race. Uh, if we have him as our candidate, we're going to be at a, at a disadvantage. And I kept pointing that out to people. Well, my good friend at the time, Melissa, disagreed with me. She was a big Wallace supporter. And for about four months, uh, we disagreed, and then she became, you know, Melissa's a former dominatrix, and she understands how to uh, aggressively get her point across. She even told a, a person at the time who sent me the screenshot saying, you know, I'm going to gaslight these guys into doing what I want them to do, which gaslighting is manipulation. And it it just was a constant drumbeat of of just uh, it, it it was a pretty shitty time, pretty shitty period in my life honestly. Uh, and because of all the trouble she was causing behind the scenes, eventually it went public and she just got nasty. You know, she was outing the uh, the victim of domestic violence. She was just doing a lot of things to try and get her candidate to win that I felt were inappropriate, and I, being outspoken, said so. And that caught her ire. And so uh, there came a point where Greg Lenz, my former co-host, made the right decision, and I stand by this decision wholeheartedly. He published it on my website, uh, where he published a meme with the mugshot and the details of the story and basically outlined what the Republicans were going to say in their ad. And, man, you would have thought that we were we had put up child pornography on the party website. Like, the, the gumption of us meme boys of liberty to point out exactly what the Republicans were going to say six months from that point, uh, it was atrocious and we were juvenile and... It was really, uh, it was disappointing to have so many friends at that point uh, just distance themselves from me uh, and turn on We Are Libertarians and Greg. And it's still a point of contention, although it's it's much, much better now between We Are Libertarians and all of the 20, 25 people who make that up and the local uh, Libertarian Party. Uh, during that time period... Aaron, Aaron, that sweet boy. Allegedly. No, Aaron has admitted that he made a meme. Allegedly. With a velociraptor. Allegedly. That basically said Jurassic cunt. Allegedly. And Melissa and I personally told everybody in our in our group, please leave her alone. Let's let this die. She, it, she will use anything against us and and blow it way out of proportion and anything to get attention. And she's, boy, has she done that. And so uh, I asked him to take it down, you know, but I'm certainly not going to apologize to her for something I did not do. He was making a joke about someone who, let's face it, at this point, <laughs> never mind. Uh, can't understand normal thinking. <laughs> right, can't understand normal thinking at all, Harry. And now, every two to three months, Melissa brings this up for two years. It is unbelievable, the, the stuff that she is saying now. Uh, she, let's see here. Uh, 
she posted today my demand my demands apology for the indiana libertarian party for not protecting women from sexual harassment and a plan to prevent it in the future i will not shut up about the abuse i experienced from chris spangle and greg Lins and the other boys in the we are libertarians posse of bullies until this issue is dealt with appropriately and publicly okay well it nothing was done to you <laughs> that meme was in a private group and one person sent it to you in a private message. It was never posted publicly. So what? It was a private joke amongst friends. And let's be honest, after four months of gaslighting, I didn't disagree with the sentiment, and I still don't. Uh, I think that Melissa is a malignant narcissist, and I think she is a terrible person. And I think she has... Uh, given me one hell of a defamation case. Mm -hmm. She's now going online saying that I am a misogynist, that I am sexually harassing women, that I am, uh, let's see, what are some of the other things? Just all all today, two years after the fact, Harry, mm -hmm. um, I owe no explanation for my vote, which was also made by the man who ran for national chair and who wasn't harassed sexually or otherwise. Uh, like, uh, I have a right to support whomever I wish without putting up with four months of nonstop sexual harassment. I never would sexually harass Melissa in my lifetime. <laughs> like, <laughs> Melissa is 20 years older than I am and was a friend. Yeah, and it's not that you, you know, if she, if she was 20 years younger and stuff like that, that you would sexualize. You don't sexually harass people, period. I, I don't. Violation of the net. Right. Uh... We follow the nap here at We Libertarians. Yeah, she. So you, you. I mean, from the outside, people keep saying, "Oh, get over it, get over it." But it's hard to get over it when every two weeks or every two months, you get some person saying insane things about you, and other people start believing it, and you have to defend behavior that didn't happen every two months. Yep. Uh, so, Sean. This guy, Sean, writes, uh, after Dancing Naked Guy, they just need to start over and rebrand with some adults running things. Chris Spengel did a nice job for the LPIN, and I say that as someone who thought a lot of the meme stuff that got tossed around was unprofessional and juvenile. Well, Sean, it wasn't juvenile because it was the same ad the Republicans were going to run. Yeah. And unprofessional, uh, he's really big on professionalism in the Libertarian Party, despite the fact that his... His friend, Denise, and Melissa were two of the people who doxed a victim of domestic violence. It's not very professional. Mm -hmm. uh, and Melissa responded, Chris Spangle commanded how I was to vote. When I didn't fall in line, the attack started. He sent his posse to my page to denigrate me as a slut, whore, and prostitute. Brett Bittner joined in, too. Brett also had a paid position within the libertarian movement. The boys who would also invite me to public casual events and then proceed to dictate what I was allowed to talk about and what I wasn't. Because I would not vote for the candidate they wanted for governor, I was also told to stop thinking with my pussy, which I didn't know happened, but uh, yikes. Now, in the corporate environment, this level of abuse would cause Spangle to be fired and his company sued with damages paid to that woman. I don't have that option with the LP, but I can use my voice to demand a public apology. I'd also like to see an organization dedicate itself to be a welcoming, not hostile environment for women. Instead of doing that, they double down in support of the harassers and demonize the person with the complaint. That's also partly why I demanded Joe, the state chair, refund my membership fee. Um, first off, listener, 
do you think that I would ever command anyone to vote anyway? Well, you know, I'm going to command Sarah to vote for James Deese. Well, that's yeah. one thing, but that's, you know, that's supporting your family. <laughs> but yeah, no. Yeah. No. No. I, I don't ever, I don't dictate to the audience what they should think. I'm, I say what I think, and you mm-hmm. can wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she didn't fall in line, the attack started. There were no attacks. Everyone left you alone because they were hoping you'd shut up because of your abusive behavior. Uh, you were never called a slut, a whore, or a prostitute. In fact, we thought so highly of you that we brought you on to promote your book about being a dominatrix. Right. If we really thought that you were a gross... Uh, lech on society, we wouldn't have promoted you. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that I think most of what you wrote is a complete fiction in that book, you were still my friend and I still gave you a platform. Yep. Uh, Bittner used to have Liberty and Chill and mm-hmm. she came to a Liberty and Chill and she wrecked it because yeah. she started a fight about all the Wallace stuff. And so Bittner said, listen, this is not a party event. This is my private gr- invitation to my friends to come and hang out, can you not talk about candidates next time you come? She was be oh, you would have thought that the government passed a law to prevent her from speaking. Right. She was censored. It was outrageous. Um, yeah, because she yeah because she hijacked an entire Liberty and Chill night. It was, yes, it was horrendous. It was awful. And it, and they made sure and that how Liberty and Chill got that one rule: no stumping for candidates. Right. You know. And I've toyed with that. Tried to stump for Vermin Supreme, and Bittner shut me down. He censored me. Right. He, trying to get he, my pony. he applied the rule to everyone because he wanted to be fair. Yep. Uh, but you you see how these little bits of truth were, two years on, have been spun into something so nefarious. And you see all these comments and you go, why are people believing this? Uh, you know, more misogyny from the boys. I told Chris Spangle the sexual torture I endured as a little girl and that my abuser's name was Donahue and how I always hated having to wear that name. When I published my book, I published it under Hubbard. Spangle knew that too. Uh, he and his bully posse contacted Facebook to tell them I was using a fake name Hubbard. That one is a new one to me. I'm literally just reading that one for the first time. Uh, Facebook made me submit identification and I legally changed my name so they made me Donahue on here. I had, I had no idea of any of that. I don't have time no, that's a, you know. <laughs> for any of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure that 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 happened just like Ted Western. Right. So, you know, I was using the name Hubbard to escape the trauma. You're using your trauma to make a point on Facebook to win an argument. Uh, you know, it is ridiculous, and it is irritating to deal with. Mm-hmm. It is irritating to deal with a person in public who is taking things, not out of context, but literally making things up about you Yep, and attacking you. And the majority of the people that have dealt with this have been in this muck, have her on block already. Right. So it's not like a lot of people can see this. So a lot of people are seeing it and saying like, hey, have you seen this? Right. What are you talking about? I have ever blocked. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. No, I have. I, I, I. She has me blocked, but I never see any of her stuff. People send me every time I mention they send me her stuff, and like it just makes me mad. I'd rather like at this point today. I've it's ruined my whole day because I've spent my whole day fielding private messages from people going, "What is this about?" 
Nobody did anything wrong, and no one owes Melissa an apology at all. Aaron did nothing wrong. He made a meme for a private Facebook group, and some idiot named John sent it to her because he thought he was supposed to as a joke. No, why would you do that? Greg did nothing wrong. Okay, Greg was admittedly offensive, is admittedly offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow him at athwarthistory.com. I will give my former co-host a plug, athwarthistory.com. But the Republicans were unabashedly, this is what they were going to do. Right. Because they're like, we're just, you know, and we'll gobble up that 6% or, or more of what Rex would get. Right. They'll just gobble it up. Yeah. Eat, they, they would completely dim- diminish it. Okay, so so why do I bring this Which, up? Because they were worried about because they were because at that time this is the thing to back that up, right? It would have been it was supposed to have been um, Be- it would have been Bell Pence um, and and Greg, but then that got switched up and it became uh, when Pence went with Trump, so it was Holcomb. Right? Um, can you but, plug in the Mevo, please? Uh, <laughs> Harry, get Harry, get the Mevo. I wish we had some sort of Trello with a checklist. Uh, pff, a checklist. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm using Trello for my own personal organization. Give me a, give me a break. So why do I say this? Because this instance is a fantastic case study on how to propagandize and how to create a narrative and how to abuse other people and diminish their voice. Okay. Now, obviously my voice has not been diminished because ultimately everyone knows Melissa's crazy. She's literally a nut job. I was done like re- refreshing back of like why this why this whole Wallace thing and why we know like the Republicans are going to attack him, right? Because at that time that was after Rifra, all this other bad baggage that Pence had. So the possibility of like re- you know Republicans and other right wing people lose leaving him and going to a libertarian was a very high possibility at that time so attacking a libertarian was very high on their that's, on their, on their that's priority a great list. point because Mike Pence was running mm-hmm. and in in 2012 when he run, won mm-hmm. everyone agrees including the Pence people that if that campaign had gone on 2 months longer he would have lost oh yeah to the conservative democrat John Gregg mm-hmm. and it was a rematch and Rupert had gotten the highest vote total of any libertarian gubernatorial candidate ever yep and we were going to run a West Point graduate, Harvard, military guy, you know, wealthy <laughs> businessman from Fishers, like great credentials, or Rex Bell, the most successful libertarian candidate in history, mm-hmm. but not as threatening to the party because he hadn't been a Republican. Right. Uh, Wallace became a Libertarian Party member about four weeks before mm-hmm. he was going to run for governor. Uh and so he, he Wallace was definitely a threat. The Pence people were taking no chances. Right. None. And there was going to be it, it there's going to be a subtle underground drumbeat against our candidate if Wallace mm-hmm. had been nominated. Yeah. So you know it, it it doesn't it doesn't matter because I never did anything that I felt was inappropriate. Yeah. And Jim Wallace and I can still have a conversation. I can still have a conversation with literally every person who served on his team. I'm friendly with all of them. It was a good competition, mm-hmm. uh, and I know they felt that the the meme that that Greg and We Are Libertarians put out was ugly. But I'm sorry, your past is ugly. It wasn't us who got arrested twice. Yeah, and if you don't have a convincing argument as to why that isn't a big deal, 
which they never did, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be our candidate. Right. So, but here's my point. You can take small kernels of truth and small little incidences, and if you subtly attack, 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 and finally get a reaction, no matter how subtle, you can then twist that and manipulate that and repeat that over a long period of time to the point that you believe it yourself, Mm -hmm. and then you can start to try and convince other people. Now, I am fortunate in that I don't feel my reputation is going to be damaged by this person, okay? Because anyone that knows me or my character knows that I'm not going to assemble a team of people to to go on a woman's page and call her a whore or a slut. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll say, go look at this. Can you believe this? Because mm-hmm. I do that often. Yeah. I did that today. I was like, can you believe this shit? Um, but... Certainly never anything that is abusive. I'm not an abusive person at all. Uh, And so when people hear her claims, they laugh. Okay, because I try to live my life in a very straightforward, open and honest way. I say things here in front of thousands of people that I shouldn't say. (laughs) And trust me, there's a cost to openness and authenticity in in your private life when you're, you know, and we've dealt with that together. But I see so many parallels of what she's doing in our national politics. She has every right to say what she wants to say, and she may believe exactly what she's saying. She may believe that all that stuff happened. In her mind, that may be her reality. Okay? But that doesn't make me... Uh, f- I don't owe her an apology, right? Uh, So, I look at, like, the Laura Ingram situation, where Laura Ingram, famous for her book, Shut Up and Sing, you know, telling LeBron James, just dribble and shut up. Mm -hmm. Laura Ingram's thing is to be flippant and glib whenever a a celebrity or politician starts to speak out. Right. Laura Ingram goes on Twitter and says, uh, let let me read the exact thing, because, again... I thought Laura Ingram had said something really bad. Mm-hmm. It's like the Sinclair thing. I had thought, because you kind of hear stuff or you see stuff on Facebook or you read stuff on Twitter, because I follow a lot of like political reporters and people who work for all these clickbait mills like Raw Story and, and Daily Caller. And so I'm like thinking, wow, did she call somebody the N-word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think I have the exact quote. But David Hogg was being interviewed by TMZ saying, yeah, even though I have a 4.1, I got rejected by UCLA and all these other different uh, colleges. And Laura Ingram on Twitter said, you know, I wish he'd stop whining. Yeah. Okay, well, he, in fairness to David Hogg, I didn't get whining from that clip. But in terms of what actually is said in our modern political discourse, and on Twitter especially, mm-hmm. calling someone a whiner is not that bad. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So what does David Hogg do? David Hogg organizes a list. Somehow, I'm sure he was sitting there thinking, well, I'm really glad that I've been watching Laura Ingram every night, taking a list of all her sponsorships, so now I can publish this because she called me a whiner. Media matters. Thank you. Media matters 
see, here's the thing about the Parkland kids. These Parkland kids are not thinking for themselves. Okay, they believe what they're saying, but mm-hmm. they're not coming up with the points that they're saying. The David Hogg, uh, David Hogg is kind of the most famous uh, for this. He says stuff that is so far beyond the pale, mm-hmm. that is so outrageous, like that is so egregious that if you know uh, what's the mo- Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough said it, he'd be fired, right? Because there would be a legitimate outrage that someone would say something so egregious, mm-hmm. you know, saying that uh, Marco Rubio took a dollar seven for every. Florida student, and he's complicit in the deaths of every Parkland student uh, because he's taken NRA donations. Uh, kid, do you think that he he didn't flip flop? The NRA donated to him because he agrees with them. <laughs> yeah. he he didn't change his vote. Um, right, yeah, and the you know, and the NRA is not even that you know like it. The NRA l- likes gun control, though. Right. As Grant Headley says, good job, you have a great memory of fairly useless stuff, <laughs> which is exactly what it is. I had a you know, point, are we just going to drop our um, GPAs? Oh, I had a 2.987. Nice. Now, I needed a 3.0 to get scholarships to Marion College, where I really wanted to go. I got accepted, but I couldn't afford it, so I had to go to IUPUI, which everyone in Indianapolis knows that's the college you go when you can't get in anywhere whoa, else. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I will not have you sit here and disparage IEPY. IEPY is a fine school. You have to fight to get into it. It has the same standards to get into it as you would Purdue and IU. It has a lesser price tag than Purdue and IU. And not if you, they let a solid C student like me in. They let solid C students into IU and Purdue all the time. Uh, it's at, a state school. Okay? At least it wasn't WGU. Screw you. Okay. All right. All right. When I um no, I can't Harry's... wait to, I can't wait to see you at WGU in a year. <laughs> Harry's at WGU. I was just tweaking him. Yeah. Uh but so there you trigger. Not even a week a week had gone by. I think it was like three days before, two days before, David Hogg was on some blog website, one of these, you know, mysteriously funded how do they have eight million writers uh type websites giving a an interview. And he basically said, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but ironically, the most damning phrase of this was edited out of the video because I heard the audio of it and then I went to find the video of it and they had taken that line out. Uh, But he said, you know, I don't understand how these politicians, these pieces of shit get away with uh, just wanting money then they're so greedy they wouldn't even care if the blood of children were sprayed across their face because these politicians just want money like if if i said that i should rightly be given all kinds of shit Mm -hmm. you know nobody peeped nobody made a peep but laura ingram calls him a whiner and you would think that she called him the N-word. The, the kids, someone protect these children. Protect this 17-and-a-half-year-old. He's going to be 18 in like right. what, five months. And but the thing is, the, the, yeah, that, the, me- prediction. the media loves this kid because he's saying what they want to say about gun control. Mm-hmm. And he can get away with it because if you criticize him, then you are the one that gets hit. You are the one that is the bad person. How dare you? This person's been through a traumatic situation. They're a kid. What's wrong with you? And they won't go on their shows to debate them. They will like only thing they want to do is attack ads so they can't speak. Right. It's all about money to them. 
right. both ways. That's why, like, uh, um, he tweeted out with the kind, like, he tweeted out, like, a lot of sponsorships from, like, when the, who donated to that event, that massive, massive event. You know? Right. So it's, and and the right is doing it with uh, this kid, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Kashuv. Because uh, Newsweek senior writer Kurt Eichenwald said something, and CNN commentator Joan Walsh both attacked Kashuv on Twitter, and uh, Kashuv tried to call for a boycott against Eichenwald. They attack him aggressively right. on Twitter. You should look at his Twitter. It's disgusting. Kurt, Kurt Eichenwald? Uh, Kyle's. Kyle Kashuv. Kashuv. Okay. Yeah, Kyle's is ridiculous. Of course. And Kyle's is a little different. He's not arranging marches and doing that. Kyle is actually meeting with senators and stuff like that and talking with people about policy. So he's actually is trying to affect policy, not trying to strum up uh, uh, a base to go vote in the midterms. So right. It's uh, different. As as David French in the National Review... Go ahead, Harry. Which Sorry, I, I feel bad for Kyle because while Kyle says the things that I also like to hear... I feel that robs him of you know the last bit of childhood that he has. I don't want him there. I want right. him to you know sit there, be a kid because you, you know you get, you have all this time to be in this space, be a kid, get out of the public space. But he's having to take this because of the view that he has to be a counterbalance to these other people that get pushed there. Yeah, that, that, which you know, which I also feel bad is like because like this whole David Hogg thing is like when he, it's going to eventually happen. He's going to be old news. Right. What the heck is going to happen then? Well, that, David French in this National Review article writes uh, something that I think is very, very, very prescient. I hope someone is talking to these Parkland kids, telling them the hold, cold hard truth. The vast majority of their new friends love them because they are useful. If they deviate one inch from the tribal lines, they'll quickly learn how scarce their true friends are. Teens are quote unquote powerful only when they agree with powerful adults. This is an adult fight and has been from the beginning. You know, earlier in the article, uh, he talked, talks, uh, he says, Hogg isn't the bully here. His powerful adult allies are. They built this culture. That is the culture of the progressive corporate boardroom, the progressive academy, the all too many sectors of media and the arts. In this culture, Hogg is a weapon to be wielded so long as he's useful. He's the latest in a long line of victims slash activists who spend their time as the face of an immense movement Push forward by the media until that moment when the news cycle moves on, other victims emerge, and other outrages inflame the masses. Uh, you know, he, 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 Ingram apologized and uh, said, you know, I, I'm sorry. And he said, I don't, I don't accept your apology. Uh, I won't accept your apology until you apologize for every person you've ever hurt with your words. Which is a ridiculous thing. That's right. such a seventeen-year-old. I've got a high platform thing to say. It's just as ridiculous as Melissa saying, "I refuse to shut up until they apologize to me," which she knows is never going to happen because she knows none of us did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe Aaron should apologize for calling her the c-word, but she's kind of acting like it. And if that makes me a misogynist for thinking that your behavior is atrocious. And that lying about me and my friends and trying to ruin my brand is inappropriate and irresponsible and reckless, and uh, you, you're de you're defrauding the people who are reading that. Don't care. You're a gross person, and uh, much. And I'm sure Laura Ingram feels the same way about David Hogg to some extent, because here's a kid who has gone out and poke, 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 
You're a whiner. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's the 17 sponsors that Media Matters has provided for me to tweet out. Instead of saying, I was, you know, A, ignoring it, mm-hmm. which... Which, if he's supposed to know, you know, Twitter because he's not like, you know, these older people, he knows how to freaking use that, how to use that, then he should know how to use the block button. Right. And and so, or... And and teenagers that age use worse language. If you don't think teenagers use that worse language, then get on Xbox, you know, live. Go play, just play some Call of Duty, listen to some teenagers play. Play with some teenagers. And and so here's my warning to David Hogg, because I'm sure he's listening. Uh, The Melissa Affair really led me to a place on this show and in my life that I didn't like. I think it was episode 242 that I really covered it. Uh, and today got those juices flowing again. <laughs> this this culture of bullying, you know, you bully me, so I'm going to bully you back, and I'm going to one-up you, and I'm going to bully you and bully you. Instead of, go, you know, instead of saying, thank you, Laura, I appreciate your apology. Like, have some humility. Like, it leads you to a place where you lose touch with yourself and you don't like yourself very much. And it leads to a very... It it, it wrecks your relationships with people. Mm -hmm. It wrecks your reputation, you know. Uh, And so it's just not a good place, you know. And I feel sorry for the type of person who feels that it is always their job to play the victim... To gain a political point. Uh, but I also feel sorry for the people that feel that they have to buy into that game. You know, and it, it's it, it's just not a good road that this kid's going down. And I think there's going to be a point where he looks back and goes, Ugh, I was a douche. Because who doesn't think that about their 17-year-old selves? But, you know, David Hogg is doing bad things and he is being encouraged to do bad things by people who do bad things for a living. Yep. And so he is a useful tool. And yes, he is irritating. And yes, he is annoying. And yes, he is lying. And yes, he is saying things that aren't true. And yes, he is trying to build and further a culture that none of us want to live in. Mm-hmm. But he is a child who is being encouraged by people who are standing behind him, whispering in his ear, do this next. Do you think David Hogg came up with the idea for a boycott against Laura Ingram? Nope. Nope. Not a chance in hell. Nope. The the march on Washington, the person who applied for the permit was the head of Greenpeace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. she works for Greenpeace. Like This is all being organized by professional partisans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yep, that's how they got professional bands, cleanup right. crew, the permits, the security detailed to make sure the press releases went out to the media. Come on, you've seen teenagers do projects. So yeah, and I and I hate it. Like this, this, uh, this is two years ago. This is a dumb thing. This is a dumb thing for this woman to be upset about. This is a dumb thing for people to be upset at Laura Ingram about. Mm-hmm. But this is a dumb game that we're playing. Where, and it's people who have that victim mentality, people who especially are on the left, poke, 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 whoa! Whoa, you can't say that, right. you know, just, you can't do that to me. You know, it's, yeah, it's... It, it's, it's a sensorial impulse. It is not censorship, okay? It is not censorship for uh, David, it is, in a way, 
censorship uh, for David Hogg to call for a boycott because that has a chilling effect on other advertisers and and revenue is really where you hit but it is it is uh because advertisers don't want to be associated with controversy right it is don't punish these advertisers for pulling off of Ingram's show because here's the truth they're pulling off for a week mm-hmm. and sending out a press release right and they they weren't spending that much money anyways the people who ran an ad probably were spending a very minimal amount of money. It's mm-hmm. it's like uh, when Nike says they'll no longer be uh, sponsoring Alex Jones. They have had all of their ads pulled from Alex Jones. Well, they go and purposely buy Alex Jones for a, a week and they spend like $50 just so they can legally and ethically say, yes, we are an advertiser of Alex Jones and we're not doing that anymore because it's a PR tactic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you hear that sponsors are pulling and participating in a boycott, know that that's a very limited amount of time, and they may have been spending a limited amount of money just to participate in the PR opportunity that this presents. It's kind of like when Kroger talked about like the whole AR-15 and selling to rifles under 21-year-olds. They're like, we're going to do this, and they did it under the brand of Kroger, not the little small little uh, store that they own. <laughs> <laughs> the little the little small brand that they own right. that, that does all the guns and stuff like that. Nope. Kroger put it out this brand. It's right. Like, it's it's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so be good consumers. If you want to get in on the David Hoglore Ingram stuff, 317-699-7236. You got like five minutes to do it. So yes, uh it it is. It you have to be an educated consumer of information. I'm concerned for David Hogg because that the the camera's so focused at him, and I think he's he also doesn't have this rationalized brain. And I I'm afraid for him, just like I'm afraid for all young males going into college. Right. You know they they're getting ready to go in, and he's going to have to deal with college life now with his massive magnifying glass on it, mm-hmm. and the. I almost recommend him like don't go until the light gets off you because so, I'm saying something is going to happen. You're going to screw up. You're going to do something, and I and, and you and you and the thing is, you've poked so much. You're almost asking for the bear to destroy you from just doing something crazy that a normal college student would do. I went uh, when I went to SFL. Gary from Teen Mom was on my plane. Mm. Now, here's a guy who was on television a decade ago, and everybody was like, that's Gary from Teen Mom. Everybody's watching his every movement. Like, that's a very low-level celebrity. Yeah. You know, that's a very low-level figure. And once once you add politics, like it's like the must-read situation with Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it, and nobody really has an issue, but... Once you add politics or a political slant to something, that's when it becomes a nuclear football. And so, if you're a political figure, like, I, I, like I don't, I can't imagine what like Sean Hannity's tweets are like. I can't imagine what Rachel Maddow's tweets are like or Donald Trump. Like I, like I would never manage my own Twitter, and I feel sorry for the sap that has to manage their Twitter because I've managed major brands going through a painful time, and it's not fun. It it literally ruins your day. Like, it ruins your day sitting there watching waves of negativity from the, it's like the, it's like an an un, 
It's like a fire hose of humanity, and it ain't pretty. And I cannot, and it just, I hate that everything is becoming so political, but it is. Sometimes, and I feel that way, like, it's like when the, um, they all started going after Wizard of the Coast and um, for a lot of the stuff for the, um, uh, what is it, the, what is it, I don't know what I'm looking for, the child, uh, the, the uh, child predators and the, like, the, pedophile ring inside the the pseudo uh, inside the magic of the gathering uh, uh, moderators tournament right and everyone started going after that twitter feed i couldn't imagine being the manager of that twitter feed that company because you're like i'm tweeting games all day this is a fun go-. like right what why why is someone tweeting uh, uh, uh you know like sex offender registry stuff to the twitter page why <laughs> why are they doing that <laughs> Right. Why are they doing this? What is going on? And you haven't deleted and try to post game stuff and like, look at this new game. Did you hear about this? And then replying to tweets, it's, it's got to be crazy. Well, you get one person like this Melissa character who, you know, and in the era of Me Too is claiming that you sexually harassed her and that you're a misogynist and you hate women. It's like, uh,. How many people are reading that going, oh, wow, what a dick? Yeah, yeah. You know, and you just have to get comfortable with the fact that there are people out there who do not like you and are not going to be nice to you and mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck about you. Yep. Very few people do. Yep. Uh, and so it, it is an emotionally, uh, and I am certainly not on any kind of major level in the public eye or anything like that. Like, but, uh, you know, I've spent some time around those people and those are not political people, but. I just, I can't imagine that somebody like David Hogg is emotionally uh, capable of handling what he's got to be going through, especially in the middle of, like, the worst trauma. Mm-hmm. It's like, we were talking beforehand, like, I'm real stressed out, I need a vacation, I'm going through some, you know, shit with changing medications, and I'm just like, I'm getting manic and stressed, like, overdoing it, you know, I'm yeah. over-functioning, and... and like I kind of see that in this David Hogg kid, where he's overdoing it, mm-hmm. he's over functioning, right? You know, and there are people that are using that to their advantage, and those are the gross people. Mm-hmm. Like, there's part of me that really hates David Hogg because he's a lying little propagandist. But you, yeah, but you, but feel for him. he's also 17. Mm-hmm. But see, that's why they use him because there's always that caveat. But he's 17, so this ruined my day on Facebook. This ruined my day. Uh, seeing all this negativity and all this lies, and like everybody was supportive and like having fun and laughing about it, but it sucks. Yeah. It sucks to read lies about yourself. Uh, yep. It, for, for someone who reads so convincingly, like it happened to her. Uh, and I continue my attack on social media by reading you uh, something from SciPost. Giving up Facebook leads to a drop in the stress-related hormone cortisol, study finds. Quitting Facebook for five days was associated with a drop in the stress hormone cortisol, according to a preliminary study. Cortisol makes you fat, by the way. So if you, uh, cortisol helps, uh, I don't think, I don't know if it blocks testosterone, but it, it definitely is a hormone that doesn't contribute. It, it actively fights against muscle building and encourages mm-hmm. weight gain because essentially your lizard brain says we're under attack we're under attack we're under attack we're under attack store fat store fat so we can survive store fat and so cortisol keeps you fat 
Facebook is making you fat, Harry. Is that why you got nothing but creatine and protein in your fridge? That's right. He's got like a, a gallon jug of egg white. It's not a gallon. It's a quart. It's a gallon jug. I, I'll enjoy some egg whites along with my He's regular. Got several quarts, which adds up to a gallon. Two, Melissa. <laughs> okay, it's two, you liar. Uh, so Eric Vanman writes uh, or says, uh, I have been a Facebook user for 10 years. I talked to my co-authors about how I occasionally had to quit Facebook from time to time because I found it overwhelming as the number of my friends grew. We talked and realized that this was happening to them and their friends. Whenever I'd quit Facebook, I'd feel an immediate sense of release that lasted for days. Uh, relief. But then I would start feeling like I was missing out. FOMO, fear of missing out. And I would rejoin and the cycle would start all over again. So the researchers, they grabbed 138 active Facebook users. 60 participants were randomly assigned to a condition in which they were instructed to completely give up Facebook for five days while remaining 78 participants continued to use Facebook as normal. Uh, they surveyed the participants regarding their life satisfaction, stress, mood, loneliness before and after the um, experiment. Researchers found the short break from Facebook had positive and negative impacts on the participants' stress and well-being. Uh, people have long reported in other research that Facebook can make them feel bad about themselves or it stresses them. So our research, research shows that quitting Facebook for just five days is enough to reduce one's level of the stress hormone cortisol. The f control group who didn't give up Facebook did not show this. So another reason to take a look. Listen, I'm not quitting Facebook. Uh, I am not quitting Facebook. Uh, I will still have a presence there because it's, an important part of my career, okay? I can't use it. But I have been actively trying to take a look at the time I'm spending on it. And and I said, you know what? Yesterday, I'm deleting the apps. I'm getting the apps off my phone. Redownloaded them within 10 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not all of them, but the Facebook app has been gone. So weak. But, yeah, I am. I'm very weak. But, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to get so much done. I got all this laundry to do. I got all this reading I'm going to do. I have 125 library books checked out. And I'm like sitting there going, I'm going to be so productive today. I spent three hours arguing on Facebook and Twitter about nonsense, dumb shit. It's like it made the worst, the problem worse. But it doesn't matter. I'm I'm soldiering on. See, the you could have spent four hours playing Paladins with Nisa and I, and you could have at least been like ranked, you know, platinum five by then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You at least could accomplish something. Okay. I could have accomplished something, but yeah. I didn't. You could have been at least like ranked up, playing the game, smashing noobs, and telling them to get wrecked. Like you just sit there and you go, "This was a waste of my time." People don't like me. I'm arguing with people, and they don't like me. Like, I tweeted out the Sinclair thing, basically saying, like, this isn't that much different than the AP. And if you're watching local news, you're having your intelligence insulted. And then I told the story about how in 2007, a local reporter for Fox 59, uh, I asked them, what are you covering of the Republican challenger's rebuttal to the mayor's budget speech? Mm -hmm. The incumbent. The election was in three months. She said, we're not covering it. My editor said we're not giving him free advertising since he hasn't bought any advertising with us. <laughs> okay, well, that's when I went, oh, it's rigged. Yep. The news is a sham. Yep. It's a... Do we want to plug Abdul? We Absolutely. <laughs> Abdu the reason Abdul, uh, Abdul Hakim Shabazz at Indie Politics cuts through is because he gives listeners what they want. He cuts through the noise and the bullshit I don't want and gives me information. Yeah. Yeah. 
all the info, and it's like local stuff. It's all local. Yep. And it's like, wow, this is everything I would wish my local news would give me. But here, you know, so like, you know, so whatever stations are young, you can just kind of follow them. It's, you know, the cheat sheet's golden. Yep. Okay. Sorry about the belch there. Um, Not, not paid by a duel. No. He, Love him, though. We'll take it at, we take ad money, though. So Dennis Prager is a radio talk show host, and uh, Prager is a conservative, and he has started something called Prager U. And Prager U is a bunch of videos from a lot of people, like from, you know, all the way on the left, from Alan Dershowitz to Kobe Jones, an athlete, Mike Rowe, uh, Steve, Steve Forbes, um, Dinesh D'Souza, uh, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson. And, and they take like a little topic and they talk about it. Uh, you know, something like, is the death penalty moral? The progressive income tax? And they give you a two to five minute little talk about the the topic at hand from experts, uh, and it is from a conservative viewpoint. Everyone who talks in the view aren't not always conservatives. Right. There are some Democrats that do have conversations on there. So what happened is YouTube kept putting their videos in restricted mode, and uh, that is you know basically a blocking for mature content. We talked about that with Count Dankula, where you couldn't share it. You couldn't comment on it. You couldn't interact with it. It wouldn't be fed to algorithms. It was put into restricted mode and given mature warnings. Uh, and they also had a bunch of their videos demonetized. Uh, so they couldn't make any money off of it. So here's the type of content that is obstructed for viewers and, and put into restricted mode on YouTube. Drugs and alcohol, sexual situations, violence, mature subjects, profane and mature language, Incendiary and demeaning content. Is the death penalty moral doesn't seem to fit into any of those. Uh, and so it's not optional for users who are part of or using a larger network, such as ones operated by schools, library, and public institutions, to access the, uh, the network. So they said, listen, okay, the, mm-hmm. maybe it's the algorithm. Okay, we get that a company as big as YouTube sets these different parameters and they they can't watch over everything and in the past conservative stuff started to get dinged because you know we've had stuff to monetize on YouTube because we talked about Richard Spencer mm-hmm. now we were talking about Richard Spencer in a negative way and giving you a critique of Richard Spencer but it still got demonetized because we were talking about Richard Spencer YouTube isn't going to take the time to sit there and watch 4 hours of it the first few I had reviewed, and they let it through. They allowed monetization. Now, I made $20 over the course of five years on our YouTube videos, so it's not like it's an income stream for us. Uh, and you can watch most of the, the episodes on video. I'm wearing my boomer hat today. I wore this specifically uh, for for everyone. It's a red hat that says USA on it. It's, my, yeah. it's, I, a, it's a dad boomer hat. It's one of those awful boomer dad hats that you get on like a road trip. Yep. Come on, kids, we're getting the minivan, we're going to go down to the beach. I bought it specifically for that reason because it made me laugh. Um, so Hank Green of the Internet Creators Guild uh, notes, making money off of YouTube, it's no longer an elusive endeavor, only afforded to a fraction of the most creative and popular. It now is a legitimate way for some people to earn a steady income. Uh, Green explains, nowadays there are roughly 300,000 content creators that garner over 100,000 views a month, and earn twenty five hundred bucks a year. Okay, so it's not that much. Uh, YouTube 
seems to be keeping some for themselves. Send mm-hmm. to, so, Tony Soprano in there. So so the PragerU, uh, by demonetizing and restricting 50 videos, claims YouTube is targeting it for their relative ideal, ideological differences while also equating it to unlawful censorship and discrimination against its right to freedom of speech. Now, this is from... Uh, this is from when they first filed the lawsuit. Uh, it's a Daily Caller article. I think this was back in February. Uh, and so they, they sent it for review, and it came back, and they said, yeah, you're still in restricted mode. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, they're clearly blocking this content yes. from being seen on their platform. Uh, so there's a professor at Notre Dame called named Rick Garnett, um, and this uh, law and political science professor at Notre Dame says, as a citizen, there are good reasons to think that Google or employees of the company have been discriminating on the basis of viewpoints and ideology. Uh, Gleb Tserpitsky, professor at Ohio State University History Department and co-founder of ProTruthPledge.org, said he seems it sees it similarly. Uh, PragerU makes a worthwhile argument to the extent that its content is being treated differently than what other content that meets YouTube's terms of service for two reasons. He added, first... If content is being censored via age restrictions and demonetized for ideological reasons, which there is some reason to believe that this is the case, YouTube does not seem to be doing the same to channels on the left. Then YouTube, and by extension its parent company, is not providing a fair ideological playing field. The first argument is based in fairness. Second, given the parent company of Google, is whose motto, Alphabet's motto, is do the right thing, YouTube opens itself up to charges of hypocrisy. Uh, now they've done this to people like Dave Rubin, and it really is, as it as it has been cataloged, happening to people on the right and not to people on the left. Yeah, and this is at the same time when um, the the child like awful stories are going through the kids' things, making millions of dollars off of ad revenue. Oh, yeah. on, on, on the YouTube on YouTube Kids. I had a friend who. Uh, yeah. And that wasn't like it's a, and everyone like knew this stuff and re- reported, but for some reason they keep getting back and getting getting stuff on it. I had a I heard a story about like trans porn on the YouTube Kids app on somebody's yeah. iPad. It's like yes. what? Yeah, ridiculous. And this is the you know, and that gets through. There's um, there's other videos that were like ten times worse than any uh, Prager U video that right. you know you get ads they'll add rolls on it and they get monetized. Uh, the uh, the Paul video that was on YouTube trending they got trending you know with a dead body in the thumbnail got reported someone saw that and let that thing go get that one that thing went back to monetize monetization. Yep. Um, so you know and it goes to you and like through the whole like um, the demonetization war when it was all started from uh, and then like. They hold trusted their whole trusted flagger program or their YouTube heroes, but the people that they select for these YouTube heroes or these trusted flagger programs, majority of them live in California in their area where their company's at. Which we get it, hey, that's where your company's at. That's where your sure. trusted flaggers are. But they don't have anyone else with a you know different slant. So it's like I so they when you do get them reviewed, they get reviewed by one of those people that look at this and go, meh, I don't like it. Exactly, uh, and. Zuckerberg was on the Ezra Klein podcast and said they have 14,000 people that work in their political department and uh and checking all the all, all of these things. You know, and he said his goal is not to diminish the reach of publishers like us. And I will be honest, our Facebook page has had more reach 
in the last month than it has in the past. And I don't know if that's my content selection or if they're just allowing us through. Uh, I've noticed that with a completely non-political page that I also operate. I've seen actually more uh, engagement, less video views, but more engagement on some of the content. So, uh, you know, he says his goal is to fight fake news, the legitimately, as he put it, there's stuff that, you know, years ago, like the BuzzFeed articles, it, it, it encouraged you to click and you mm-hmm. click on it and you go, why did I click on this? Yeah. That's the stuff he doesn't want on the platform. You know, we are libertarians sharing articles to a libertarian audience, presumably is something that that libertarian audience wants to see. Although, mm-hmm. if you read the comments of our major Facebook page, they don't want anything that we share. Uh, they're all, it's, that big page is like crazy. Yeah. If you want if you want to give yourself internet cancer, go read the, our Facebook comments. It's like, ugh, it's worse than any major news outlet. It's the, like libertarians you'd think would be libertarians, but no. Oh, you can't be pure enough for that. No. Nothing's pure. You couldn't share anything. You could probably share a face, just, just Daryl W. Perry's face, and they'd say how he's not pure enough. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, but he uses the roads. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, yeah, Zuckerberg uh, says, hey, we're not punishing those small-time creators. I don't believe you. (laughs) Like, there's no reason for me to trust you at this point. Uh, But uh, I did think that that was an important discussion. If you want to hear the other side, you want to hear Zuckerberg's arguments, then the Freakonomics podcast, which is awesome, and the Ezra Klein podcast, which is a good way to get information from the left, you can hear an interview with him uh, there. Uh, So, Monday, the presiding U.S. District Judge Lucy Koh ruled that PragerU uh, did not violate, that that YouTube did not violate the First Amendment rights of PragerU by partially censoring or limiting the organization's YouTube videos. I would agree, okay? So, the argument that PragerU was making is sort of twofold. First, there's an inherent First Amendment right to free speech on a platform like YouTube. And second, you're violating your terms of service because you're not treating us as equally as others. I I agree that every person has a right to speak freely. And I oppose any individual corporation or government that seeks to limit the speech of other people. Okay, the answer to bad speech is more good speech. It is not limiting that bad speech. What you end up with is something called the Streisand effect, which uh, there's this photographer who unknowingly took an aerial photo of Barbara Streisand's home and like 40 people saw it. And then when she sued him to take it down and, and erase the photo and buy the negatives, like millions of people ended up seeing the photo. So when you try to censor something, you bring greater attention to it. Uh, And that's what I think when you have something like the Daily Stormer being shut off by uh, GoDaddy.com, then all you do is you embolden that other side. Let Let them post their nonsense. The greatest way to not be afraid of a Nazi and not take them seriously is to talk to them. Mm-hmm. I've had conversations with Klan members. They're pathetic human beings. Like, it, it, they just are. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the answer to 
correcting bad speech is more good speech. And YouTube shouldn't be censoring these videos. Facebook shouldn't be censoring conservative voices. You know, Twitter shouldn't be censoring libertarian and conservative voices. But they are. Uh, Google, in their search rankings, posts a Snope article. You middle-of-the-road, milk-toast, dailywire.com, little Ben Shapiro, who was a never-Trumper, you know, as conservative and as decent as they come from the right, has a Snopes fact-checking site, a, a little box on his website. Like, if the Daily Wire is considered propaganda to you people, then there's something wrong. And that's what all of this is about. Like, libertarians are not big enough. We don't have a big enough voice to really get censored. So we get lumped in with the conservatives and the right. So you really do need to care what's happening to conservatives. Because what happens to conservatives happens to us. And I can tell you that as a person who runs a libertarian outlet, it's happening to us. Because the type of discussions that we have, and to the people who are censoring us, people on the left, mm -hmm. they consider us conservatives. They're not sophisticated enough to know the difference between a libertarian and a conservative. We all just look right to them. Okay, so you really do need to pay attention to what's happening. So I do agree that YouTube has a right to put on their servers whatever they'd like to put on those, those servers. Okay, they do have a right as a corporation to create whatever algorithms to uh, diminish every conservative voice, to erase all politics, to actively promote leftist channels like the Young Turks. They can do that. They have every right. Ethically, should they? No, because you are a you are a platform. You are a tool. You are not a publisher. Mm -hmm. And once you start getting into the business of of Curate. content curation, mm -hmm. then you start opening yourself to more and more lawsuits from all sides. Because you're not just being sued by PragerU, you're being sued by leftist organizations and everybody else. Okay, so under Section 230 of the uh, U.S. Code, these corporations, if they're platforms, if they're tools are not liable for anything said or posted on their platforms. Anything a user posts, you can go on and post all the copyrighted content you want. Now, Facebook and YouTube will, you know, Facebook will take you down. YouTube will just send the money to the content creator, mm -hmm. you know, because they want you to be able to post the video of you with music in the thing. They just want the person who created the music to get the... Now, con copyright law, we're not going to get into tonight. Yeah. They do have a right to do whatever they want to do because it's their property. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make it right ethically. And it doesn't, and it could be possible fraud, as they argued in the second part. When you say in your terms of service you're a platform and you're treating content equally, and then you don't, mm -hmm. you're committing fraud. Right. That's where libertarians do have a problem because mm -hmm. we're against you committing fraud. Right. Yeah, they're committing fraud. Yeah, and especially fraud with business partner because mostly all the ads that PragerU has bought with them. That's even worse. That's egregious. Prager, they've, they've dude, given money. PragerU has. I see their ads all the time. Yep. yep. Tons. Yep. Yeah. So they have given money. So they're a business partner, and they got frauded from that. So as a libertarian, you should have an issue with it. You should look at that and go like, "No, this is wrong." Right. And the, you know, you can't sit back and go, "Oh, it's just property." Yeah, but they also have frauded.
and frauded a business partner. So they'll do this to you too. They are seeking an appeal. So yeah, which is like it, and and hopefully something will change and go with it. Um, there's other lawsuits going after YouTube uh, for doing the same thing. Um, uh, the podcast, what is it? Uh, Steve uh, Louder Crowder. They're they've got a they've got litigation going with YouTube. And they also got one going after um, uh, Twitter too. So right, it's because they've gotten the um they're in a situation because the, you know just like Prager they have given they have given money and expected to follow the rules and since they broke those rules you know yeah they opened themselves up to litigation so i've argued through all of this that you need to be aware and motivated to stand up for what's right yes it is their right to put on their server what they want or don't want okay but is it right? Is it right for them to censor conservative and libertarian voices and not left voices? Is it right that liberal media outlets and blogs have seen a 2% increase while uh, conservative blogs and outlets have seen a 24% decrease in traffic to the point that Rare just went out of business mm. uh, because of the drop in traffic? It's not right, and you should say something. Because just like boycotts are part of the free market, I don't agree with boycotts. I think it's a bullying tactic. I think that the sanitation worker strike and the boycotts that that were inherent in that in Memphis, because you know these local uh, these local companies wouldn't sell to blacks in the South, and they uh, boycotted. That's good bullying. <laughs> okay, that's bullying on behalf of what's right, what's just, what's fair, what's equitable, okay? Bullying Laura Ingram because she has an opinion you don't agree with is bad bullying, is bad boycotts, okay? Not good. That's using the free market for inappropriate reasons. But it's still using the free market, and there you can do it. You can choose to associate with a brand that you don't want to associate with. You know, uh, you can choose to not host the content of... People that you don't want to have on your on your platform. I still think that libertarians are being kind of weak on the freedom of speech argument. And they're not using their voice to support people like Prager U and Steven Crowder because they're afraid of being associated with the right. Yeah. But you have to understand, you're next. Mm -hmm. You're already getting caught up in, in all of this. Yep. And so use the market forces, use the power of your voice to say to these companies... We're leaving you if you don't change this, and we mean it, and we will walk, mm -hmm. and we will go somewhere else. Yep. And I think that's incredibly important for us to do, and we need to stick up for our ability, because let's face it, yes, these are private corporations, but these are pretty fucking powerful private corporations. Mm -hmm. They've got us by the balls in a lot of ways. Yeah. You, you look at Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook, Twitter... These are incredibly powerful corporations that control thought in a lot of ways. And it's important what they do or don't do and how they treat large segments, more than 50% of the country, and how they treat them and how they structure their business model. If you don't like their privacy standards, if you don't like what they do with your data, if you don't like what they do or don't censor, then do something about it. Leave the product. Or make sure that you're spamming the shit out of them saying, this isn't this isn't cool. I got a phone call 
saying, hey, would you buy, like to buy some more Facebook ads? And I said to the guy on the phone, I said, absolutely not. I will not spend a dime with you guys because I'm not going to pay you for content that you would censor otherwise. Why would I give you money? You don't, you don't support me, so why should I support you? Exactly. And he said, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, call the Facebook, call the business line and say, uh, yeah, I'd like to buy some ads, get somebody on the line and go, I'm just kidding, I'm not buying an ad. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have to write all that down, they read it. Because when you don't, because what happens is when you let mechanisms be created for people you don't like, uh, you you may say, uh, I don't like Laura Ingram. I hate that they're doing that boycotting stuff. That's not an appropriate way to use the free market. I hate that. But Laura Ingram's a dick. Okay, well, that just encourages that, that behavior further. Right, okay? yeah. yeah. When the government wants to create laws, mm-hmm. as we spoke about last week in the Cloud Act or mm-hmm. SOPA. Or We Libertarians gets an Ice House uh, sponsorship. <laughs> Wait till we get Ice House beer sponsorship. <laughs> or <laughs> you... you Oh, well, we need to pass this law to fight against sex traffickers. Oh yeah. Or child pornographers mm-hmm. or terrorists. Who's against who's against that? No one's against that. Everyone's That's- against school shootings. Everyone's against, you know, mm-hmm. child trafficking. Mm-hmm. So when you it makes it, I, I can't oppose you because I don't want to look like I'm beating up on a Parkland survivor. I don't want to look like I'm supporting child pornography terrorist sex traffickers. You know, and so that's where those laws are created. GoDaddy gets rid of the Daily Stormer. It creates a precedent for them to become a company that then starts weighing who is or who should not use their utility. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, what's the company that Cloudflare that prevents uh, secure. It's basically a security system for your website. Right. And they said we're not going to do business with the Daily Stormer. Okay. I. I mean, I get it. Mm-hmm. You're being a discerning business owner, and you have to look at you have to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. But you, what Pandora's box are you opening? And the CEO of Cloudflare says we're doing it this time, but this is the only time. Do not come back to us because we're not doing it again. Do you think that's going to work, Cloudflare? Because they're going to keep coming back. They're going to come back because you because they're barbarians. You kneeled. You, you kneeled. kneeled. Yep. You stuck your neck out. Do you mm-hmm. think they're not going to hit it with a sword? Yep. So it's important for you to stand up and say, I don't know, it's not there. It's because this is why. This is the EFF, great organization we told you about last week. The FBI could have gotten into the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone, but leadership didn't say that. There was uh, an ISIS member who shot up a military base in San Bernardino. It was a military base. Yeah. Military gun-free zone. And then a gun-free zone and killed himself. His wife was involved in the attack. And the uh, FBI basically fought with Apple in court to create a backdoor access to the shooter's phone because they said, this is encrypted, we can't get into the phone. And Apple said, sorry, we can't break the encryption code. Well, we're going to use the government, the force of government, to compel this private corporation to do what we want them to do in the name of national security. And the right was all for it. Oh, I'm all for this. Because this is in the interest of uh, fighting terrorists. Mm -hmm. And Apple said, you don't understand. We create this backdoor to get into this iPhone 
for one iPhone, it exists for all iPhones. Right. And not only can the FBI get this backdoor access, so can the Russians, so can ISIS, so can any teenage hacker, young Harry... Mm-hmm out there could get it if they wanted yep. it. If it's possible, anyone can find it. That's why, like, anytime like, you you know think something's weird, like, wow, I came up with this backdoor hack, which is funny, like, it was probably created there and or left in, and, you know, someone found it and exploited it. Yep. Uh, last chance for phone calls, 317-699-7236. Again, that's 317-699-7236. Yeah, it's not a backdoor. It's just it's weak security. It's right. It's not backdoor, it's weak security. So the Office of Inspector General, uh, the Inspector General is sort of the uh, independent inspector that goes, if there's a problem within a government agency, the Inspector General is the one that does the investigation. They're supposed to be completely, uh, you know, they're like the journalists out there who are just unbiased, uh, totally. Uh, So the Department of Justice's OIG released a report last week supporting what EFF had long suspected that the FBI's legal fight with Apple in 2016 to create a backdoor access to the Bernardino shooter's phone was more focused on creating a legal precedent than it was on accessing one specific device. Um, From the onset, we suspected that the FBI's primary goal in its efforts to access the iPhone found in the wake of the December 2015 mass shooting in San Bernardino wasn't simply to unlock the device at issue. Rather, we believe that the FBI's intention with the litigation was to obtain legal precedent that it can compel Apple to sabotage its own security mechanisms. Among other disturbing revelations, the new OIG report confirms our suspicion. Senior leaders within the FBI were definitely not happy when the agency realized that another solution to access the contents of the phone had been found through an outside vendor and the legal proceeding against Apple couldn't continue. So a third-party vendor said, yeah, we can hack that, and they had to drop their lawsuit, and they were pissed. So December 2nd, 2015, the shooting happens. Um, The shooters destroy their personal phones but leave a third phone owned by their employer untouched. February 9th, 2016, Jim Comey testifies that the FBI cannot access the phone. Uh, February 16th, 2016, backed by all the John McCain's of the world, applies for uh, an application for an order compelling Apple to gain access to the phone. Uh, They wanted them to, oh, just this phone, just this one phone. At the same time, according to the OIG, the chief of the FBI's remote operations unit, the FBI's elite hacking team called ROU, knows that one of the vendors that he worked with closely with almost 90% of the way toward a solution that the vendor had been working on for many months. So let's briefly step out to note the discrepancies between what the FBI was saying in early 2016 and what they actually knew. How is it that senior FBI officials testified that the agency had no capability to access the contents when the own, own their own premier hacking team Knew the capability was 90% of the way there. So March 1st comes around and Director Comey testifies they haven't had access to the phone without, and they can't get to it without Apple's help. Um, the OIG concluded that Comey didn't know that his testimony was false at the time he gave it, but it was false, and the technical staff in the FBI's ROU unit knew it. Um, so... They were basically pissed that they couldn't use the force of government, even though they knew that this was possible, 
uh, to get into your phone. So let's fast forward to this week, uh, actually March 24th, in the New York Times, Justice Department revives push to mandate a way to unlock phones. Federal law enforcement officials are renewing a push for a legal mandate that tech companies build tools into smartphones and other devices that would allow access to encrypted data in criminal investigations. They want extraordinary access. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the FBI has been agitating for versions of the mandate to break encryption since 2010, complaining that the spreading use of encryption is eroding investigators' ability to carry out wiretap orders and search warrants a problem it calls going dark. Can you explain going dark, Harry? First, I gotta address the bullshit on the whole. I swear, I'm really upset. <laughs> of um, they've been attacking encryption since encryption, you know, since civilians got encryption. Okay, right. And it's never been about that one phone, as you can they clearly see. You can see it's never been about one phone. It's about making it cheaper so they can spread it out, because they've got tons of phones that need to get hacked into. They had, you know, they know they've got the capability working on it, but they probably, but they know it's expensive because someone paying someone to get into someone's phone, it's not going to be cheap because, you know, it's, it's a little difficult. You right. Know? It's just a certain set of skills. So they wanted to make it, e- they wanted to make it easy. So any Joe Blow cop, Sotheroe, who can sit there to do it or airport security, they can just get into someone's phone for any other reason like that. I just want to address that crap there. That's, sorry, triggered the crap out of me. The other thing is <laughs> going dark. That's encrypting, encrypting your traffic, encrypting everything. So it's not easily sniffed. So they can so if they get access to your laptop, doesn't matter. It's encrypted. All they get is garbly gook. Right. They get numbers and letters and relevant factors of what it is in for your for your encryption, right? So the so if they get access to your physical device, it's garbage anyways because it's encrypted. Right. They want um going dark through using your internet traffic. That's, you know, using a VPN or a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're going through Tor, so they can't see what you're doing. They um, so all that is just go- they just get crap. It's just garbage gook. It's just garbage gook. When they pull that packet, it's just garbage gook packet. It means right. nothing, you know, because you can't see because you just can't poke inside the tunnel. Hmm. That's going dark. So it's basically that whole wiretapping that sniff program. You get nothing. It's dark. Is going dark a their term or is it sort of a term that the internet uses? It's just one like the. I think it's kind of cross between the people. I think it was born into the both of it because, like, I've you know to hear that from like old hackers saying that, right. and you also get like um, when you hear from like police agents, they went dark, you know, in the, on the old in the old spy books, like the spy the spy went dark. I'm gonna take a couple calls, stay on the line. Uh, yeah, it, it's I, it's just like, did you know that uh, the left is now calling the gun show loophole the terrorism loophole? Well, I'm waiting for the um, conservatives <laughs> to call like the um, the border walls, the gun control border wall. Right. We've got in order to stop fully semi-automatic weapons coming in from the border, we got to put a wall up. Oh, we're going to talk all about bad Trump on Thursday because he's doing a lot of dumb stuff. Uh, let's go to the phone calls again. Please state your name once uh, I introduce you, and then jump right into what you want to say about the topic. We're going to go with three one seven three eight one. Caller, you're on the air with We Are Libertarians. Hey, guys. You guys are doing a good job. I just wanted to uh, make a comment about Second Amendment real quick. Uh, it's already really heavily regulated. How, however, how other uh, uh, freedoms do we have that you have to be 18 to use? Like, why Why can't, like, toddlers buy guns? You, toddlers have the freedom of speech. 
What's your you name? Know what I mean? What's your name? Tad Western. <laughs> I thought I thought that was you. Uh Tad Hey, I, remember, keep them home unless you're ready for a shootout. I'm out. <laughs> All right, thank Tyler, you. Tyler's can afford guns. Um um, they also have terrible aim, so you don't want to give them a gun. You might want to give them a like a something that gets airy effect. Ta- uh, toddlers also put everything in their mouth. They sure do. So a gun is not a good. Uh, and, all right, um, and uh, they do not have freedom of speech. I'll put a binky in that mouth. <laughs> 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 they think they can talk. Like, don't know to that crap. All right, let's go to our eight one two number here. A caller, you're on the air with We Are Libertarians. What is your name? Howdy, y'all. My name is Flynn. Flynn, nice to meet you. I feel like we're being Flynn, like opposite of fat. Anyways, I was calling in to let you guys know about this Melissa character. She is an absolute menace. I was down in the Salesforce Tower just a couple of days ago, and she tried to make a motion to grab for my dick, and it was absolutely terrible. She wants to talk about sexual harassment. She is the worst offender I have ever met. It's funny you say that because this is not a joke. She was kicked out of the Antelope Club for sexually harassing the female employees. I don't doubt it. She seems like the type. She has so many damn issues. I swear. They don't call me Slim for a reason. She wasn't able to get her hands tied around my dick enough to get a hold of it. All right. But, you know. Anything else you'd like to say, I, Flim? All right. Flim is out. Flim out. Now, see, Ross Tickner, beloved Ross Tickner of the We Are Libertarians Facebook group, said, why would you do this? Why would you possibly take phone calls? You know your audience. You know they're a bunch of shit posters. They're mm-hmm. going to just troll you. I said, that's a that's a chance I got to take, Ross. I want to give the people a voice, and may, some, some of those voices may be worthless. Honestly, it'd be a lot of fun if we could like uh, do this like uh, like early in the morning, you know. Have, have watch these people all like hyped up on caffeine, stuck in traffic. Of course, it'd be worse. It'd be ten times worse. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean people are sitting right now. Tad's had a few hundred, and he's you know just giving us the business. If he has one hundred, it's going to have four hundred. Well, <laughs> I like it. I'm looking forward to. Uh, so you guys participating in the show, please, uh, please tune in. Th- you know, we used to get started around seven thirty Eastern on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry and I will tweet out Facebook posts, put in the Facebook groups, Discord, all the stuff of in the, the private Discord group for the, 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 the patrons. The top, the topics we're going to get to, the phone number. You can check all that on the social media stuff. Uh, when we go live, I'll let you know. Uh, so, Harry, we've covered a lot here tonight. Did. did a lot. Went through a lot of different things. I feel like we did good work, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we've got like ten more pages of propaganda from the uh, that we go through, though. Uh, Rick has a, Rick. Rick makes a good point. Uh, I, as you know, am generous. They call me dear leader because I am generous and thorough. Okay, mm-hmm. and I want to get to the bottom of this. I regret what happened with my friend Melissa. And so if she wants to come on the show and she wants to apologize publicly to me and my listeners, which you know, Harry, we are one. Yep. I am We Are Libertarians and the audience is me. So Melissa, I'm a big man. Okay. I'm the bigger man. 
I'm a gracious man. I'm generous. I will allow you to come to We Are Libertarians and apologize to me for all the things that you've lied about, all the, all the false statements you've made, all the stories you've concocted. So if you would like to come and apologize, you know, you know how to get a hold of me. Might be tough because I blocked you on everything, but uh, <laughs> you know, you just post it on your Facebook. Half of the audience will screenshot it and send it to me. Mm-hmm. If you want to come on We Are Libertarians and apologize to me directly, I did. It, I did it with Rob Kendall. Yeah, yeah. Rob came on the show and he apologized, and we are friends now. Yeah. Probably not gonna like it when you scoop him for that niece interview, though. <laughs> I feel like that was a big get tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he didn't get that. Okay. <laughs> All right, Harry, final thoughts for this episode. Uh, let's see here. I, I got some notes here. All right, um, one thing is, um, uh, don't forget, we got low-key wall tomorrow. Um, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to do the Friendica install. I'm going to do it two different ways. The GUI way, I'm sure Michael loved the GUI way. Um, and then I'll do it through the command line, the proper way. Um, then um, I will talk more about going dark and things you can do to help yourself go dark for from different organizations. Um, also, don't forget we got Liberty and Chill IRL stream. We're going to be at Triton this Friday, so come out to Liberty and Chill. And the other thing is, um, one thing I just find out about that is like um, the Twitch stream is making more than YouTube stream. I'm this close to actually paying back for that webcam that uh, uh, Dear Leader graciously gave the low-key uh, wall audience. Um was that close to paying it back so haha also for those who are come down to the twitch channel you guys when you hit that subscribe button with your twitch prime you've got to hit that every month um i know it's annoying but i, I like seeing you guys' faces on low-key wall and hanging out with me so come see me smash that subscribe button one one more time and say uh, say hi to me in uh, in low-key wall because we're gonna go over the friend of stuff i will do go some go i will try to do more on the series and going dark i see you a lot of people want to turn low-key wall into more of a tech show, which I have no issue doing. Um, but, you know, I, I still like it being like a, more like that, that that fan interaction. Right. That's what I mostly want of for low-key wall. And if the fan interaction of the people who come over to Twitch want more of that tech stuff, hey, I'll give it to you. Very good. Check it out tomorrow night. I, need, I owe the Patreon subscribers like three weeks of low-key wall audio, so that is my bad. I just got behind on it. So I'm- Two weeks ago episode, we did a very long one, um, which we talked about how to get it at the end of the episode is really gold is like how to get like the IT space and we had uh, it was uh, James Neese, Ryan Hold, myself all talking about computer certifications and getting into the IT space. Right. All right. I think for me, I uh, don't have much to say. I've just made the announcement on my Facebook to Melissa that she can come on the program and apologize. Uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to uh, having that conversation, and I look forward to you uh, giving me more books that I can autograph and give out to my audience. Uh, someone asked in the chat what VPNs you should use for Android. I will say- I use OpenVPN. It's open source. It's a lot of other people trust it. A lot of hackers I know trust it and still use it. I use it. I don't trust the new one from Google. It's very easy to use, but I don't trust Google that much. So Right. Mileage may vary. 
All right, kids, thanks for joining us here on this episode of We Are Libertarians. We will be talking uh, about Donald Trump and bad Trump and all the things that he's doing that are stupid, like uh, the military on the border, punishing Amazon because it's hurting his crony friends. Uh, I've also got an interview that I'm going to do with Mary Ruart lined up. I'm going to talk to another social media creator. So lots of stuff, lots of content that I am putting out there, so please check it out. All right, thanks for joining us here on this episode of We Are Libertarians. A special thank you to Christy Avery, Brandon Luke, Craig DaCosta, and Jason Doolittle for being our $100 a month subscribers to the program. All of our Patreon subscribers, you guys uh, cannot thank you enough for all of the contributions that you make. Everybody from $1, $5, $10, $25, $100, you're all incredibly important to the growth of this you are helping us uh, inform people. You are helping us grow new libertarians, and you are helping uh, me grow this platform. And I appreciate it so much. And thank you for the opportunity to do things like make fa take phone calls. I wouldn't have been able to do that without you guys. So I appreciate that, and uh, thank you so much for your contributions. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, then go to Patreon.com/WeAreLibertarians, or go to WeAreLibertarians.com. So we will see you on, well, we'll see you later in the week, probably Thursday, all right? And until then, take care of each other, and uh, don't be mean to people on the internet, unless they're Melissa. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.